as recurring guest. You get Dave Damashek, co-host. I think I got it this time. Minus three podcast, extra points podcast network, and it looks like you're in Cleveland of the draft. How's everything going for you? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I, I had that made to remember the glorious okay. time in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, the first human being ever to have a glorious time there, uh, by the by. Um, yeah, listen, uh, nice to be back with you. But to the matter at hand, before we talk draft or otherwise, behind you, I see you have Cousin Sal's book there. Cousin Sal has been on the show. So the question is, who do you like better now, me or Cousin Sal? You haven't sent me a book. Okay, but you yeah. know, I but but I'm the one speaking to you, right? That's now. true. That's so true. That that yeah. makes it interesting. I feel yeah. Like. No. Yeah. So I want to ask your thoughts on the draft. What? How do you? How do you think it went this past weekend? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, outside of the Raiders, I guess I don't think there were any major surprises. I guess the one that I would point to as the biggest surprise is if you had no context for this would be. The Broncos, who you know need a QB, passing on Justin Fields sitting there and Mac Jones sitting there for that matter. Um, but reading the tea leaves there, it, it's funny. Everybody's doing this like, well, so what's going to go on with Aaron Rodgers? Do you think he goes back? It seems abundantly clear. I have no special insight um, on this, but it seems pretty clear that it's reported by somebody very close in the Broncos organization, Mark Schlereth, saying a deal is in place as much as a deal can be in place. And we know that it's a much bigger financial hit to the Packers if they trade him before June 1st. And then the Broncos get to that ninth spot and they take a cornerback in a division that includes Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. This all adds up to me to be fairly obvious that the Broncos are going to wind up with him or they've really messed up big because they should have taken in my opinion, Justin Fields, if they don't think that they're winding up with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. And the big winners from that, if you wind up Mahomes and Rodgers and Herbert in that division. And Nathan Peterman. And Nathan Peterman. And Nate Peterman. You're good. Touche. Touche. Yeah, you got them all. You covered all the big names there. Um, So I think that that's interesting. And as a side note to that, I also think the Eagles are a little bit too excited about Jalen Hurts. I understand self-validation and otherwise, but I think that they're going to lament not having taken uh, Justin Fields with him sitting there as well. My, my main takeaway from the whole weekend was how many people sat in Goodell's chair. Cause yeah, I didn't get that bit. No, it's the first round. I'm like, all right, you get 32 people, but if you get 300 people sitting in the chair, now you got to burn it now. And then they, and then what, what was the band um, that performed in the first round? Kings of Leon. They, yeah. I'm pretty sure they were out there for like three hours, just taking requests. It was like a, it was like a, big bar mitzvah they were just doing and just singing their songs from 2008 yeah but- it was uh, yeah the chair thing you know an under sort of complained about aspect of our society's restaurants i always say this it's like you know you want to feel clean you want to yeah. feel like you're the first one to sit in the chair and when that when and when the restaurant closes every night what do they do to mop the floors they take the chairs <laughs> and they and they put them on the table where you eat your food, but the butt side of the chair is on the table where my food's going to go tomorrow uh, when I come to your restaurant. That's disgusting. We'd have to do something about that. No. And then on on the, on the Broncos, um, I saw a rumor on Reddit that I don't believe at all, but apparently Rogers just purchased a house in Boulder. Is that true? I have no idea, but somebody claims. 
Okay, well, so, listen. Let's let's yeah. uh, let's assume it's fact. If it was on social media, then that's yeah. the that's the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah, and then also, I don't know if you saw him at um the Derby. It looks a little sickly. Yeah, it's he's you know some people you know we in our society where people work out a lot and everything it's it's coveted to be thin, but it doesn't look good on everybody. Like the best example of that is Drew Carey. We knew him as a, as a fat and then he loses all that weight. And it's like, I'm sorry, it's not for everybody. Yes, it's fine to, you know, to be your best self, but think of the rest of us. Some of us like to see you with a little bit of weight on you. And I think, I don't, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers needs to go up to 340 or anything, but I'd like to see him, you know, get, uh, get those rosier cheeks back there. Yeah, I'm with you. And plus, I don't know what uh, Shailene Woodley's telling him, but the long hair ain't it, friend. He looks like a wizard. Um, mm-hmm. And um, at what point during the weekend or before the draft did you know Mac Jones is not being taken third? Because I, I had a kind of a hunch that early on, I, I thought it was either, I thought Fields was going three. So I was kind of surprised to see Lance go. I, you know, it, it had on extra points with, uh, with Sal um, earlier in the week, had Michael Lombardi on. And he's pretty, you know, plugged in with uh, Belichick and, uh, you know, with various organizations. And he says that he, he really, he seems to really think that this is true. And if it is true, it's crazy. He thinks that Shanahan and company traded up to get Mac Jones at three, but then the pushback that they got um, about there, you can't take Mac Jones at three. They, they felt like this is too big a spot for the kid that there'd be so much pressure on him that they ended up going with Lance. That seems like some wild um, thinking there, but either way it, it, I think they got it right. Um, I don't, I I don't think that um, yeah. I, I, in the copycat league, you see Patrick Mahomes who is being held up as the greatest to ever play the position. Um, And, you know, you watch Trey Lance guys, when they put their helmets on certain guys physically, become the doppelganger of other guys and i mean patrick i mean he seems like patrick mahomes 2.0 yeah. you see the you see the way he moves and everything um it seems like it's not too big a leap that like hey let's try to replicate the best in the biz there um so i think they wanted trey lance but then again we hear that you know they dabbled in aaron roger okay maybe we could get rogers and um, I suppose it's reasonable that they, that it's fluid, that maybe they thought one thing in, in, around Christmas and by, uh, the week before Cinco de Mayo, that they had changed their opinion on that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I gotta think that they, that they understand pedigree and skill set and ceiling and all that. Um, and so, so I gotta think they thought it was Lance, you know, yeah. for the last several weeks or months even, but, yeah. but, you know, what do I know? The bottom line is I, I think they got it right. I guess we'll see. And also want to ask you, um, are the Bengals trying to get Joe Burrow killed? I don't, you know, everybody keeps saying that. And I think if Pitts had land gone to them since everybody keeps talking about like, ah, oh, he's matchup nightmare. That's one of our favorite phrases these, uh, these days is uh, he's a matchup nightmare. Well, Kyle Pitts is that. And, um, if he had fallen to them, you know, all these people pounding the table for Panay Sewell, like they, they, that's who they absolutely positively must take. It's like, I, I have no ability to assess 
how much better Panay Sewell is at leaning on other 300-pound men versus some of the other options that were out there at tackle in the draft. I do think that we know they already took Jonah Williams only two years ago. He's been injured and whatever, but by all reports, again, I don't assess how good an offensive lineman is. I defer to my expert pals on that, and they tell me he was looking better as the season went along. And then they added a, another tackle. So it's not like they're barren at the position to begin with. And um, I, it does, in our fantasy uh, football mindset that everybody kind of applies to these things, if, you, if the premise is in the short term that the Chiefs, and by the way, I think the Chargers are going to win the division in 2021, but either that, way. You should bet that now. Oh, I already have, bub. Um, but let's say that what, what if Rodgers winds up with the Broncos and the Browns, as constituted, look top to bottom, pretty loaded up there. And then you have the Ravens who can be a juggernaut and we'll see what becomes of Pittsburgh and the Bills are mighty. If the I, I feel like, yeah, you, I mean, that goes out saying you need good offensive linemen and, and, and otherwise, but you also at some point need high pedigree guys to compete, to, to win a shootout. That's where we've gotten now. It's not like if you're like, well, we shall zig against their zag and we will dominate them defensively. It just doesn't exist anymore. Nobody, there's no such thing as a defense that holds opponents to under two touchdowns every week. I mean, everybody, like you're going to be playing in the twenties or into the thirties in all likelihood. So you may as well accept that reality and try and keep up in the horse race. That's why they get a difference maker, presumably in chase to go along with burrow. And by the way, as much as it matters, I don't know how much it matters. Aaron Rodgers is mad at the Packers because they didn't help him with the stuff he wanted helped with. Russell Wilson is mad at the Seahawks because they're not helping him on the offensive line. There are any number of these examples. I guess it's wise of the bungles. If, if Joey Burrow is saying like, I like, he's my friend and I know he's good and we'll do good throw, you know, passing and catching to each other for the next decade. I guess it's like one, for what it's worth, the fringe benefit is you keep your presumed franchise QB happy. You think the Steelers should have traded up for Mac Jones? No, I don't think that would have been the answer there. I, I, um, I think that if, if it would have gotten to like, I, you know, 15 or so or late teens that then maybe you do start trying to think about like how much is it going to take for them to get up to get Justin Fields personally I don't know that Mac Jones is uh is the answer now a lot of a lot of the um the cools in the biz will tell you oh he's up but I I I would I don't know how you would figure out what Tom Brady's mastery which is elusive is what he does pre-snap when he looks up at the line and post-snap, he can uh, deduce what's available to him. Like, I don't know how you would figure out that this kid, like, Oh, he's as smart as Tom Brady. Like based on what, like, how do you assess that he's going to perform at that level? I don't know. But anyway, no, I, I, I was fine. I know the rest of the world is upset with the Steelers for taking a running back, but specific to where they are to the makeup of that team if you accept the fact that they brought back their shame, the devil, they brought back their, their first ballot hall of fame QB um, to run it back one last time. I don't think it's a, a, a terrible crime to draft again, a high pedigree running back who, you, you know, like there's all these people are like, you got to take Panay Sewell, you know, like, like, 
tell me what the difference between Panay Sewell is and the fourth rated left tackle. <laughs> the, these people who who believe in their own brains that they can uh, de, uh, uh, deduce or detect the um, the drop off from Sewell to the fourth rated tackle are the same people who who don't see a difference between Najee Harris and the fourth best running back. Like was, your math seems weird. Yeah. You seem you seem pretentious, and that's about it to me. Washington got Cosmo Cosme from Texas. We'll see how he does. Um, and then you guys, so are you all in on Haskins to take over for Roethlisberger? Well, they season? brought well they brought Rudolph back. Uh, I don't know if you the right before or during the draft even because it was such a splashy move that they wanted to make sure it got some major shine. But uh, yeah, they signed Mason Rudolph. They extended him. This is his last year, um, uh, if not. And so they so they brought him back. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. It, it seems like Tomlin by from the whispers you hear liked him in advance. And, um, I I'm all about that. You know, the seventies Raiders, um, Al Davis and John Madden, you know, that they, they became known for taking guys off the scrap heap in the reclamation project. And in the 21st century, Belichick has done a fair amount of that. So may as well follow that lead and give it a shot. And if he doesn't work out, there's, there's no, um major penalty for having done it to this point there's no guarantee or no major financial hit for cutting him before the season um but it'd be cool if it worked out that's for sure and and you know i know jerome bettis is saying it this week but um the the idea that roethlisberger i'm a big believer in the cliff i'm a big believer that when it goes for football guys like it doesn't it's not a gentle decline into the good night it's like it's like one day they're good the next day they stink and there are a lot of people and i get it who would watch roethlisberger in december this uh, 21 or 20 and say boy he has he's fallen off the cliff but if he plays well we don't know what that here's a bit the elbow we don't know his his actual issue was throwing the deep ball last year he was not as on the money as he has been and he is um one of the greats to do it in the Super Bowl era, specific to throwing the deep ball. But otherwise, he had plenty of zip on his passes and everything else. He's not moving in the pocket like prime Roethlisberger did. But how do we know, just as they always say about an ACL, like it's year two post-surgery that they're really back up to speed. I don't know enough about medicine to know, is his elbow going to be better in year two post-surgery? Maybe. Um, but either way, if they protect him and – the way they've put it together now, like what if it's a John Elway and Terrell Davis kind of effect, or, or what if they have a really good defense and they can take care of business and scratch out enough points like the 2015 Broncos can or did and won the Super Bowl? What's to say Roethlisberger? He's not, he, he's not uh, Brady's age. He's, you know, he's 39. He could conceivably run it back even in 2022 if it goes, if it goes well enough. Where do you see them uh, placing in the division? Uh, right now, I like the Browns. Uh, oh, I don't like the Browns, but I. Uh, and it's funny how thoroughly they've been able to hide their quarterback. Um, we'll see, because I think everything's on him now. Everything's on Bake. Everything's set up. I do think top to bottom, you would could make a pretty good case that that's the best roster in the AFC. The question is now the most important position um, in Baker. And is he going to consistently do it? Is he going to carry them? I mean, Again, I have to point out, I know that the last memory everybody has is the one that they hold on to, and it was Baker Mayfield almost 
dumping the mighty chiefs in arrowhead i also will refer you to two weeks before that game was played 14 days before that game was played maybe even 13 they were finally everybody declared somewhere in december like the browns are finally about to go to the playoffs and it's all but certain mathematically that they're going to go and that was right week 14 ish or whatever like things are would really have to go bad for them to not make the playoffs all of a sudden they get to week 17 in Cleveland and all they have to do is win the game. And it's kind of gotten a little bit tight there. Like, Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this shouldn't have come as close uh, to us missing, but all we have to do now is beat the Steelers here. And they're sitting a bunch of their starters, including Ben Roethlisberger and it's Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph missed on a two point uh, conversion and the Browns won that game by two points against Mason Rudolph Steelers in a game that the Browns missed the playoffs if they don't win, and they barely survived Mason Rudolph's Steelers. Are we positive this team is great? Now, they've made some good additions in the offseason. So, long-winded answer. I still will go with the Browns, but I have my questions, obviously. They're still the Cleveland Browns until they won one game in Pittsburgh in a big spot. Good for them. That was a great seminal victory for their fan base and otherwise. Now, let's see them do it again, one. And two, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing about, oh, the Steelers are screwed up by taking a running back and bringing back Roethlisberger and everything else. Here's my prediction for you. I don't know if it counts as a hot take. They'll finish ahead of the Ravens in the standings this year. That's that's my big prediction. Where's, where's the concern? I guess you hear some from certain corners about like, oh, Lamar Jackson's a running back. Obviously, those people don't know what they're talking about. But I do think that – their front seven defensively is not fixed. It's old. Where's the pass rush definitely coming from? They need that pass rush. Um, and they just signed Al Villanueva this week, and he was not good for the Steelers in 2020. And um, Ronnie Stanley coming back from a knee injury, Orlando Brown out. The offensive line matters more in Baltimore for what they want to do than it does in other places. And I feel like they took a step back at, at, you know, with their offensive line and at least for now, we'll see if they can add, I mean, there's some big name guys out there, name brand guys in Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram, but they haven't signed any of those guys yet, at least at the time of this recording. So um, they, I, I have as many questions about the Ravens as I do the Steelers. Um, but I do like uh, what the Steelers did in the draft. And I do like uh, the look of their defense, which, you know, 18 months ago, almost made the playoffs with Duck Hodges playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, and then I want to ask you, uh, Washington obviously didn't take a quarterback in the draft. You've got Fitzpatrick, who's what, 39. You got, you basically have three backup quarterbacks on the roster. What, what do you see them doing for the future? Do you think they're just going to let it kind of ride it out this season? Cause I don't think next draft is as uh, kind of like top to bottom with quarterbacks. I kind of think it's bring it down a little bit. Well, if you keep in mind, if you're a Washington fan, first of all, this we're not talking enough about how weird it is. Okay, they got like, okay, finally, there was enough noise uh, for Dan Snyder to have to respond to it and say, fine, we won't use the name. We'll, we'll just be Washington this year. And it was kind of like an F you to the, to the world to do that. Okay, it's a year later now. Are we really just going to just endlessly not give this team a name? Odd move. Um, but... Uh, I think that in this, in the, it, it, as so long as they only give out the one Lombardi every year, I think no, no offense to you or any Washington fan. 
the likelihood, well, in fact, this applies to 31 fan bases, the likelihood, or 32, the likelihood that your team is going to win the Super Bowl, the one Lombardi that they give out, is, is pretty slim. At least here, we can say before Memorial Day has even arrived, that you know you're going to have a fun season. Well, that's good. Congratulations, Washington. You got Fitz Magic to enjoy. You got um, the, what did I nickname them that then NBC picked up on? And they gave me no credit for it. They just said, many people are calling it this. I, I am we'll call what? Who? Their front four, Maroon Four. I named them that, Maroon Four. That's mine. A lot of people didn't like it. And you know what I say to them? I don't care. You're just jealous because that's how clever I am that I came up with Maroon 4. But it, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had with uh, with being a Washington fan this year with Fitzmagic. Yeah, you would like to have some guy who you're excited about, like maybe he's our guy. But that comes with a certain amount of stress, right? This is this will be a breezy year for you, you know? I'm envious, you know? I have to sweat it out every week now. Like, well, oh, Dave, I said Roethlisberger would be fine. And if I'm wrong, then I have to wear it a little bit. Look at you. You get the, the world's your oyster. You just get to sit back, have a fun year with the guy with the beard and he wears the chains and everything. And he's zany and his teammates love him. It's going to be a fun year in our nation's capital. Were you surprised they beat Pittsburgh? What was that week 12? Uh, well, I, I was, you know, we've, on paper for sure, but that was in the window where everything kind of shifted and it, Roethlisberger was not great in the ensuing couple of weeks after that game, but that game, he did more than enough to win it. His receivers, that was one of the weirder games. If you go back and look how, I mean, for the um, professional uh, people whose, whose job titles include some reference to catching the football and they could not catch it was, was very strange. They certainly should have won. That's where people will point at the Baltimore game. I think that was the one right before. It was like, it was, like a, was that the Wednesday game? Yeah, it was a weird game. And people said, well, that was when the Steelers got exposed. Maybe so, but the Steelers still should have beaten Washington if their guys would have caught the ball. If you really go back and pick that one apart, there's some crazy goal line stops and drops by Deontay Johnson. And even that was the game, I believe, when even Juju, who is usually shorthanded, was dropping passes. And then the uh, they ran the wheel route to the rookie running back, Anthony McFarlane, which makes all the sense in the world to me when it was uh, Bostic lined up. I had to sprint over to catch him. Like, well, of course, Seven's going to throw the ball in that direction. It's Bostic after all. Um, and it should have been a touchdown, but the kid uh, dropped it. But you know, and then I, I do remember thinking like, oh, Jesus, uh, when Alex Smith completed that ball, and I don't remember even who caught it, but made a dynamite catch on it. I was like, we're going to lose. Oh, I think it was a Thomas. It might have been, been. Yeah, he had a nice game that day. But of course, yeah, I was surprised. But that really from Thanksgiving is on sort of popped nationally. Like, wow, Chase Young and company are really good. Um, and the trick for Washington is I don't know why the math works out this way that um, if you have, a, like, I think Lamar Jackson, that kind of an offense thrives in October because more often than not, the Ravens are going to be more talented than who they're lined up from more often than not. So you get to like, that gets you to like eight to 10 victories right there. And then you have to steal a couple along the way. But it's, it's problem is that I think it doesn't work against high end defenses, what Lamar Jackson and, and the entire Ravens teams trying to, trying to do. 
The opposite is true with Washington. I think if you get them to the playoffs, and we saw that in the wild card round, they're scary, man. Like I, for a 60 minute game, I don't want that pass rush. And we, you know, I know it's anecdotal, but you remember what happened to Tom Brady when he went up against that giants front and against that Eagles front. Um, that's the thing. It's not like Nick Foles and Joe Flacco beat you. It's like, well, the pass rushes is, is what killed Brady. He doesn't like that. And you almost saw Brady go down to it with, uh, with uh, the Maroon four Maroon four Wait, I'm saying, I don't know. Does it need the article the in front of it or not? I have to clean that up, but Maroon four almost was his undoing in that one, in that wild card round. So I, I, it's, it, it's super interesting for a one-year shot and two, by the way, you mentioned Joe, I, or I bring up Flacco and Nick Foles and those guys. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a long-term answer for the Washington football team. If he has a great season running it back with him, it's like, oh, we'll always be in the playoff mix as long as we have Fitz Magic as our quarterback. That's not true. But there is evidence, and it's much more of like, uh, you know, puncher's chance. You know, if you have Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes or, or, you know, Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger in his prime. And otherwise you're going to be close to, if not in the playoffs pretty much every year, but even in the 21st century, Joe Flacco, Brad Johnson, Nick Foles and beyond have, have provided a Jared Goff. Um, not that those guys are equivalent talents, but they're none of those guys are top, you know, six or eight quarterbacks in the league. There's enough evidence Peyton Manning in 2015, who was not Peyton Manning anymore. Rex Grossman. Old man, Rex Grossman. There are, there's enough evidence that you can go into the season and feel like if things break right and our defense really dominates, um, we could make a, a special run. That's, that, that's, that's what you want. I, I've really become, the older I get, much more about journey over destination. I really like, I try to balance like when people are saying, you know, the Steelers aren't going to win the Super Bowl. I'm like, all right, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying them being eight and zero now nine and zero now ten and zero now eleven and zero. It's like, well, now they lost. They're not go. I didn't think they were going to go undefeated. Um, they're in the playoffs. Like, it's a this is what we need. We need stuff to look forward to. This I think you have something to look forward to in 2021 and beyond because you have that pass rush is mighty. And now in 2022, as soon as as soon as next year, if it's magic moves on, let's assume he does. There, you know. They're going to be every year. What have we learned now? Aaron Rodgers is belly aching. Russell Wilson is belly aching. Um, Tom Brady moved from a dynasty to Florida a year ago. Jameis Winston a year from now could be available. Cam Newton's on the market a lot. There are quarterbacks in the pipeline every spring. You're going to get a QB and you have the rest of the thing all figured out. You guys are now loaded up at receiver, um, you know, the defense looks mighty. So I think it's a, it's an exciting time. I do. I, I would guess the Cowboys win the division this year. The giants so, are, I mean, who knows, but yes, I, 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 if I had to bet on it uh, today, I would say I'll take the Cowboys. I think the giants are interesting. Fitz magic, you know, his trick is, can he do it over 16? He, he, he has stretches. He's one of those guys who has stretches where you, he, where you think he's, uh, the most unbeatable guy on the planet earth. The problem is, is that he, over the course of his career legitimately has not done it for the entire season, but you know, you know, if nothing else, it should be fun. The division didn't, obviously it was a punchline last year. So, you know, you get to, you can scratch out 10 wins, which seems plausible to me. You'd have a shot in that one. Um, But 
the other thing with the Cowboys is they didn't fix the defense. It wouldn't seem they're going to be even better defensively, but you know, they're, they're, they're not, you don't look at the Cowboys roster right now and say like, how could we compete? That That's the other thing that's fun uh, about being in your division right now. Yeah. Do, do you, you, do you think there's what percent chance would you give it that Aaron Rodgers is starting in green Bay week one? Uh, I, I am always one of these people who just assumes that things aren't going to like that, that it's not going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm naive about these things. Like I'm always like, Oh, these two don't like each other and there's no way to resolve this. And then like, it really is something to be learned. Just ignore, you know, certain politicians, uh, whether you like them or not. The one thing that's, that they do is like, I'm just not going to pay attention to this. I'm not going to react. I'm not, no matter how much you say I have to quit or I have to do it. Like, I'm just not going to do anything is what my response is going to be. And people will move on to something else and cooler heads will prevail. That's the chance that the Packers and Rogers have of staying together. I think though, like I say, I think Rogers, uh, I think the Broncos think they're getting Rogers at least. And I think Rogers is sincere about not wanting to be in green Bay anymore. And I think Tom Brady started something here a year ago, much like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh did in the NBA. I think that Tom Brady has opened up possibilities for some guys who want to control their last few years in the league. And I think Aaron Rodgers seems sincere. It's not like, okay, Aaron, we'll make a trade to get blank. Or like, oh, the Falcons are looking to trade Julio Jones. Okay, we'll do it. Will you stay then? Maybe something like that happened, but it seems more than that. It seems like he just doesn't want to be there. And uh, so I would, I, I think it's more likely that he is the Broncos quarterback than he is the the Packers. So I would say third of a chance quarter, you know, 25%, 30% yeah. that he's back in green Bay this year. Do you think the West coast thing is he only wants to be in the West coast? That's what I've heard from some people. And that that's what I, that's options. what I hear, which, you know, yeah. makes sense. He's a human being. He's got his, uh, He's got his Hollywood uh, fiance, but he doesn't want to be, you know, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina and flying across the leg. You know, she might, she must be like, have you, you ever been in a long distance relationship? You know, you're like when the, when the one has to travel all the time, like that, that person gets upset. Like, why am I always the one who has to travel? Why don't you ever travel to me? You know, that's the undoing of a relationship. Aaron, I'm sure is a uh, considerate uh, as a considerate lover and therefore has said like Shailene, I will do my very best to be in the same time zone as you. Yeah. Well, I always thought that he let Danica drive. So that was always my, my hot take about that. Boy, um, that's an interesting thought. And I never considered that, but of course that's gotta be true. Yeah. She Unless definitely. she's one she of those flies. like, Oh, I do, I do this all day. You do, I don't, I wouldn't do anything, yeah. but if that's her wish, then yeah. maybe he's again, back to him being a considerate yeah. lover. Yeah. And then um, one last question for you. Um, do you think he would have been moved had they not, if, if, if they're not sold on Jordan Love, do they move him during the draft and take their choice of quarterback? Another good question. I think, boy, that's, that's a good question. I, I, I think that they, unless they know that they're not going to get Rodgers. So if they did that, it makes it clear yeah. we're definitely not keeping yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Um, then that signals to, to the league. And 
I don't know exactly what you lose in that. Like, yeah, we're going to end up trading him, but we're not going to, I wonder if that's a, a violation to, yeah. to basically announce like, yeah, obviously we know we're going to trade him. We just can't do it yet. I wonder, yeah. I, I don't know if that's in violation of some, you know, uh, collusion or whatever uh, rule. But um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that, that's a, uh, hmm. I think that Jordan, no, I think they could, because then they really look like Maroons. Then it seems like they have no idea what they're doing. Like, yeah, we, a year ago we thought this was the guy, but we were wrong about yeah. that, and so we're going to get rid of him already. Like, then, then what, what, what? How faithful could you stay to to management? Yeah, you just chased off the best quarterback of all time, or one a, a guy in that conversation, and the guy who you saw thought was so good twelve months ago that he was going to replace him. Now you change your mind on that. Like, yeah, I think you would have to fire him for, you'd have to fire the front office for that then. No. Yeah. Well, Gunter Kunst has been trending more in the past week than it will ever. Fun to say if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he'd been, apparently he's only been there two years, but that's an interesting, um, we'll see how that plays out, but um, do appreciate you taking the time chat for a few minutes. Um, How can people find podcasts and follow you on social media and keep up with you? Oh, anywhere you find podcasts, track it down. Me and Cousin Sal going twice a week for you. The best bets and uh, mirth mixed in there on extra points. And then uh, minus three focuses entirely on the Northeast. So if you're an NFC East fan, an AFC North, AFC East fan, Eastern Conference NBA guy, East Division NHL guy, AL East, NL East, if that's your interest, then uh, you want to listen to minus three um is how you check it out and always a pleasure to see you pally absolutely appreciate it. you making it you win any money on uh prop bets in the draft you don't like your parlay them well i like the what i like is what i did long ago too was trey lance at three i um so i hit on that one i said Najee harris under 27 and a half pick 27 and a half yeah. hit on that one um what else but yeah so i i, I did all right with uh with some of those draft props there yeah, now I'm I, I, now I'm ready for the NHL playoffs. So that's what yeah. I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I wish that, I wonder if they, anybody had the prop. Uh, Bears will select a running back over under number of toes, five and a half, and whichever way you went, you went over. You hit. I had that. So, yeah, I had that. Yeah, yeah I had that. Yeah, it's yeah. unreal. Apparently, the other guy he was with when he was at Kansas had one foot with five, one with zero, and I don't know who the hell's doing recruiting in Blacksburg, uh, Virginia, but it's it's wild. But I do, <laughs> do appreciate you taking the time to chat. Sure thing, anytime, pal. All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got recurring guests. We've got Vikings radio analyst Ben Lieber. Ben, how's everything going for you? Wild weekend. Wild weekend. <laughs> I'm doing great, Zach. How you doing, man? I'm doing I'm doing great. Washington did not take a quarterback. Was very surprised they grabbed a linebacker I've never heard of, but we'll see how it goes. How's everything up there? <laughs> it's good. You know the funny thing is, you know, we we look at the draft and we we twist it around and look at it in so many different dimensions and try to look at it from so many different perspectives. I, I threw out a, a hypothesis early in the week. I'm like, man, I know it's a new head coach in Washington. Would it be possible if the rumors are true that the Vikings are looking at Justin Fields? Look at the draft boards. Would Washington make a trade back for Kirk Cousins? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I know the contract seems like pretty extreme, but they need a quarterback and – we'd probably be dealing a quarterback at that point. And I was like, that's about the only team I could come up with that on draft day that would make him. Maybe Green Bay, if they're not happy with Jordan Love. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. That, were you surprised? Because speaking of Vikings, were you surprised they got Mon so early? 
No, I was actually surprised they got Mon so late. Um, the rumors that we had heard during the course of the week was they really like Kellen Mon. that um, be prepared to kind of get ready to just talk about him. We were kind of told as a radio broadcast that, um, you know, it could, it, depending on the run of, of quarterbacks and, and when they started in the second round, that if the Vikings could get back up into the second round, that was possibly a pick that they were going to make. But fortunately for them, and they got very lucky with the way the draft worked out, that they sat and waited. They did not accept some of the, the King's ransom, ransom that people wanted to get back in the second round. And they waited until the third and still got their guy. It's unbelievable. Because I thought of like the day two guys, he was the best quarterback available because it was really it was never really sold on Trask or um, what's, what's the kid's name, Davis Mills. But Mon, Davis Mills, yeah. Yeah, so Mon, is, 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 is Mon, do you think they're, they're just taking the best guy available or is Kirk on the hot seat? Well, Kirk's contract, um, it, it's, it's a behemoth, you know, and I know that we all think and know that the salary cap is going to go up next year because the TV deals and the, and the adjustment from, from COVID from this last year, yeah. you know, they're guessing it's going to go up by, you know, $40 million, but Kirk's salary cap hit next year is 42 million. And it's, it's just a lot to carry. And I think that, I think that he understands where the organization is at from a, from a financial standpoint. So um, I don't think anybody was surprised. You know, I don't think he was surprised. He was alerted during the course of the week that they were going to probably target a quarterback. Obviously they didn't tell him which one, but um, it all, it all does make sense when you look at the totality of where the organization has to look going forward. So if they, if they were to be completely, so if you, if you have a situation come up with the Vikings and maybe the Cowboys had a couple of years ago and they've got a guy, a day two guy who comes in and blows them away how, what's the most realistic way that they could lose the least amount of money getting rid of cousins? Well, the most realistic way they could lose the least amount of money would be, I mean, you got to find a, a willing trade partner that's going to take okay. on. So they, can't, they can't cut them. They can't cut them. They cannot cut them because, okay. the, because of the guaranteed nature of his contract, he's, he, it's like, um, you know, now it's like a baseball or a hockey contract, or I guess now even an NBA contract, you know, you, you cut the guy, you're still on the hook for him. And that's why, um, it is weighing, weighing this team down a little bit. It is, is on the forefront of their minds to try to figure out how they're going to figure this out. Now, you know, if he goes out and let's just say that, that Kirk cousins goes out, continues to improve, like the, the stretch that he had last year, he had about a six or seven week stretch where you could arguably say he was in the MVP hunt. He was playing that well. If he continues that trend where those, those six or seven weeks now become 14 to 16 weeks and he's playing at that high level and he takes this thing all the way to the Super Bowl, then you, I, I don't think you'd care that you're paying your quarterback 40 some million dollars, then it's worth it. But um, unless something dramatic like that happens, they, they're going to have to find a way to get rid of him here in about two years. Hindsight, should they have just paid Keenum? No, I don't think so. No. You know, I don't think so. You know, there are, I, I'm a, I'm a Kirk supporter. I think that, I think a lot of people give him a hard time because his personality is so vanilla um, but if you look at, if you look at the throws and the way he's able to run that offense and quarterback that offense, you know, he makes throws that Keenum could never make, you know, he makes decisions and anticipates things that Keenum could never make. Now is Keenum probably, uh, bring a little bit more juice. Sure. But I think from a true quarterbacking standpoint, cousins is far and away the better quarterback. 
And then with the rest of the draft class, I know you guys got Darisaw from V Tech. I know a lot of Washington fans were looking at it, but you guys got you guys get Basham too, right? We got uh, who'd you say? Uh, Basham, Basham, Carl. You guys, but the linebacker. You guys get him? Well, uh, Surratt. Uh, Surratt. Chaz, Chaz Surratt. Yeah. Chaz Surratt. I'm thinking Chaz of Carlos Surratt, yeah. Basham. Chaz Surratt. His brother yeah. was the receiver. He he. Fl- I think he flipped. Yes. He was a converted quarterback. What what do you think of that pick? You know, the more I looked at it, you know, I was looking at some other guys that were kind of best available at the time. And I'm like, Ooh, I like this guy. And I like this guy. And then they, they take Chaz. And at first I'm like, huh, what? why are we taking a linebacker right now? I, I know that we lost Eric Wilson. I understand that Anthony Barr is coming off a torn pack. Um, but I, I guess I just, I didn't think about linebacker that high. And then you start to, I start to do more research. I reached out to a friend that works down in that market. Um, and she was telling me all these glowing things just about him as a person, character, uh, the respect that he has on the team, playing you know one year of defense and then being the runner-up for the defensive player of the year in the ACC. I mean, that's that's so impressive to do that. I understand now why they took a chance on this guy and why he's he was valued at a third-round level because this dude can play all three positions. He can blitz. And because he's a former quarterback, he has that football IQ that I think Mike Zimmer is looking for in a linebacker. And you can throw him out on offense and see what he does. He, he, <laughs> oh, yeah, why he not could, throw the football? <laughs> he could be the guy. He could be the guy. Um, and then going around the division, um, were, you weren't, were you surprised to see the Bears trade up, or did that kind of catch you by surprise for Fields? It, you know, it caught me by surprise. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing about it, that the Vikings very much were in play. Now that the news has come out, that they were very much in play for Justin Fields. And they weren't going to trade up for him per se. But if he was there at 14, they said, we were going to, we were going to take him and, and the bears obviously must've felt as highly about him as, as a lot of people did, including the Vikings and they traded up. And I was a little shocked. Um, but in the end, not really because they needed to make a move like that. And, uh, I thought it was a great aggressive move. I actually had Justin Fields rated much higher than I think the rest of the, of the league thought. I thought he was the second best quarterback in class. Right. I, I was, I'd put him right up there too. And I'm like, I don't know why everybody's kind of crapping on this guy. <laughs> like you, you turn on the, you turn on the games and you're like, I see a really competent quarterback that actually wants to be a pocket passer first. He has athleticism to move around. I was really impressed with Justin Fields. And now I'm going to have to, as, as a Vikings reporter, uh, unfortunately I have to see him, you know, unfortunately now for the next 10 or 15 years, but I thought their move up was a brilliant, strategic, aggressive move. They also get Tevin Jenkins, which a lot of people around here, I know that he's more of a right tackle, but um, a lot of people around here were looking, hey, well, why can't we just get a guy that plays with a big time attitude? And we'll just kind of figure out where he and Brian O'Neill are going to fit on this team. And let's let's just draft some attitude and toughness. And I and I couldn't really disagree with that. So the Bears, again, kind of take a take a guy that the Vikings uh, fans were all over. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. But so you, but you guys had the opportunity to take Mac Jones. You didn't think they were in on Mac Jones? I didn't think so, just because you know how you know how every the the pendulum goes in every situation. If you've got a a, a hard nosed coach uh, and you fire him, then the pendulum swings the other way, and you get a you get a player friendly, you know that that sort of coach that's soft over here. And then and then if that guy gets fired, then you go back to the Dan Campbells of the world and you get guys that are a bunch of knee biters and all that stuff. So I, I thought if they were going to look to a quarterback, they were not going to draft a quarterback that was just like Kirk cousins. Yeah. And do I think that again, another guy that I had rated higher on my 
my stupid draft board was I thought Mac Jones, even though he had limited experience, I thought he was a hell of a quarterback. I'm like, he's he's doing everything. He's thrown open all these all these receivers. He's the one that's anticipating all these throws, even though he was playing with you know ridiculous talent on that offense. I thought from a talent standpoint, he was really talented. Um, but I understand why the Vikings want to want to look away and want to do something a little bit different uh, and get a quarterback that's probably more athletic, which is why they got Mon. Is Ponder still available? You can probably bring him. <laughs> Don't say that. He play. He play. Um. Or you could, I don't know what Culpepper's been up to. If he, the, I, the Cavs brought back Vera's house. If you guys brought back Culpepper, nobody would say a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wild. I don't know if you even saw that tweet. Wild Friday night tweet. Literally just draft, draft, draft. The Cleveland Cavaliers are signing Anderson Vera's nine years after he's played for the team. I'm like, all right, all right, we can do that. Um, and then one Lions. I saw some rumors they were potentially thinking quarterback. They ended up going to uh, Panay Sewell uh, from tackle from Oregon. Were you surprised at that pick? They have so many needs. I think was it just best player available for them? Yeah, I think I think they were. You you saw their their draft room just explode when they yeah. saw Sewell on on the board still, and so that that made sense. I mean, they like I said made reference to Campbell. They are looking to rework that whole offense and defense and team and make it more true Detroit and reflect the people there. And Sewell brings that attitude and that nastiness. I didn't think that he's technically the best offensive tackle on the board or even offensive guard if that's where he plays. But I think that he's he's immensely talented and he brings that level of tenacity and violence that why wouldn't you? I mean, you can he, he's he's gonna be a, a fun guy to watch. I actually think that they walked away from a really, a really top to bottom successful draft too i think they got surat's brother undrafted from wake the receiver uh they might have got him undrafted i guess oh, I, yeah. I didn't see i haven't seen the whole like undrafted list yeah so that's a little uh inner nfc north storyline back of your mind like oh yeah by the way two brothers in the same division yeah two brothers um, again yeah and then so then earlier friday you got these bombshells with aaron Rodgers. what are your thoughts on this whole situation well, you know, what's funny is that I'm sitting down with Paul Allen, who's, who's got his nine to noon radio show with, with our radio station, KFAN. And he's also the voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And we're sitting down and he tells me, he tells me in the previous show, he comes in as we're, as they're making the switch out. He's like, Hey, there are some really interesting uh, Aaron Rodgers news. I got a little bit of steam on this. He tells me what it is. And it's so juicy that I'm like, I go, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I know it's true. He's like, I know it's true. It's not just a rumor. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, just do whatever you want with it. I didn't know when I came back on his show an hour later that he actually went public with it. And so he refer he refers to this story to me on air. And I kind of look at him like, why did I like, what are you doing? Like, are, did you go, did you go with this story? And then we're, we're on air and NBC is calling him. CBS is calling him. People from all over national national media are calling him, texting him, like, "What's up with the story?" Because he gets tagged to the story. Listen, I'm telling you, I saw the proof. Like, I saw it myself. I saw the proof um, that there there was communication uh, from Aaron Rodgers that he was unhappy. He wanted the trade to happen. Uh, he was, and and so. I knew that he wasn't lying. I knew that he wasn't just throwing out there some, some hot air on draft day. Um, I do, I do think that there's validity to the fact that he wants to be moved from the green Bay Packers and he wants to move on. And he, that I think the trust is completely broken. 
And um, we, it's going to be no shock to anybody because we've seen this now for what, two years um, take place. He's been unhappy. He doesn't feel like he gets treated the right way there. And no matter what they can say or do now, I don't think that's going to replace it and fix it. Wasn't they dropped the news? What was it like three or four hours before the draft's gonna start? Do you think in hindsight they probably wish whoever kind of leaked that out did it days before? So, kind of maybe teams potentially maybe San Fran's not taking Trey Lance, they're trading the pick. Or do you, do you think it was poorly planned or do you think they did what they wanted to do? Well, I don't think I don't think anything was planned at all. I mean, it was I all of it was supposed to be kept, I believe, under oh, oh really? You like, think so? Yeah, I, I don't think. If, if Paul Allen doesn't say that on his radio show, I'm not sure that the news gets out in the way that it does. Um, and so I don't think that there was a, an intentional leak. I don't think that he was told to leak it. I think he just went with something that he thought was interesting and knew to be factually true. So he knew he wasn't going to like burn anybody because he was like a bunch of fake news. Um, but if, if it were to be pre-planned, absolutely. You know, um, Guda Kunst already said that only one team called and that was Sam Fran. Yeah. If, if it was done three or four days or maybe even two days, 48 hours before the draft, and he comes out and says, yeah, I want the Raiders, uh, Denver, and I want San Fran, I guarantee Mayock's calling. <laughs> you know, and, and, knowing, and knowing George Payton now with, with the Broncos, I guarantee he's calling. So, yes, you would have had at least a, a three-team race to try to, to try to bid for him. Always going, wait, he's over 6'2", right? Yeah, we'll bring him over here. We, we need him. Um, it's, it was unbelievable. And then did you, I don't know if you saw the pictures of him at the Derby. He looks a little skinny. He does look a little skinny. I, I, I thought so. Same with Tom Brady. I know he's doing yeah. – I know he, all he does is eat kale and avocado and stuff like that. But, um, God, I, I kind of looked at Tom like, Tom, you, you need to, like – you need to eat a little bit more. Like, I like yeah. the fact that you're fit and you're taking care of yourself. But, man, you're looking a little emaciated. Yeah, yeah, there's Rogers looks like he looks sick. I'm like, ah, too many daily doubles, and I don't know what's going on with him. But it's uh, so now that you got you have the 49ers who are all locked up at quarterback with Trey Lance, Denver's still kind of a question mark. I was potentially looking at them maybe to see if they were gonna maybe grab Mac Jones and then the Raiders. The Raiders have Peterman, so I don't know why they're even in the hunt for quarterback, but <laughs> Where do you where do you see him landing? Because you got to think about the compensation. He's not going to want to. He's going to want to go somewhere to a team that's giving up the least amount of assets. So he's not in the same situation he's in now with limited offense. Where where do you see that as? You know, I still think that there's a chance that that Denver does something. I think everybody knew when they traded for Bridgewater it was not he was not going to be the starter, and he's not the long term answer. I, I think that they're going to try to find a way to sweeten the pot with players and draft picks. Um, you know, that's a, that's obviously a team to watch out for, you know, I don't know, you know, think off the top of my head, do you think, do you think Houston makes any sense just because they're in a weird quarterback situation there? Um, you know, I don't know. He wants to get, he wants to get out to the West coast and um, I just don't see a team, you know, it was floated on our radio show today. Somebody threw out the preposterous nature of well, what, what if Seattle and, Green Bay just did. A I thought about that swap. on Friday, but they don't yeah. want a quarterback. They're comfortable with Jordan Love. So then, what do you give up? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, who knows if they really are comfortable with Jordan yeah. Love at this point? I mean, Russell Wilson's still better than Jordan Love, and and you can't convince me otherwise. But I don't. I don't see Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to Seattle when when all Russell Wilson does is con can complain about the lack of protection yeah. from the offensive line, and then once again they don't really address the offensive line yeah. in this draft. Um, 
So I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be super happy going there. Although I, he would probably love to throw to Lockett and Metcalf. I mean, he would love that that combo. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, or what you got you have Russell Wilson and his superstar uh, pop star singer wife want to go to a bigger market. And they say, all right, we've we've made a trade. Where are you going? Wisconsin. He would not be happy. Yeah. No, he would. No. Yeah, because if Seattle's not big enough. And then were there any guys, kind of guys you kind of like, I saw that you did some uh, kind of scouting reports and some guys uh, prior to the draft, were there any guys you like the fits or across the league? Um, well, my, my number one offensive lineman was Elijah Vera Tucker. And, and I thought, I thought to me that with the versatility that he showed, um, I didn't think that there was a, of, of the top guys, um, I didn't think there was a clear cut offensive tackle, uh, true offensive tackle that was, so far advanced than any other guard tackle combination that I thought Vera Tucker kind of, to me, technically um, he, he was great. His hands were the best. Um, I thought, I thought John, or I'm sorry, Alex Leatherwood. I thought he was a, a guy that nobody really talked about up until like two weeks before the draft. And I'm like, this is a super talented guy, all American in two different positions. And I know everybody's talking about his short arms, but I, I sort of liked where, where he went. Um, Let's see here. You've got, uh, I did like, um, I did like Ronnie Perkins. I mean, you're, you're talking like guys later in the draft, uh, Oklahoma, you know, Ronnie Perkins is a guy that I was hoping the Vikings would get because he's just so disruptive. He doesn't fit your typical defensive end. He's not really your typical three, four outside linebacker. So I understand where, where and why people kind of didn't know where he was going to fit, but He's just kind of one of those guys like, hey, it's third down. Just just go like go go be disruptive and, and go do something. Um, you know, I um, you know, those are the kind of three guys that I was really, really focused on. I mean, offensive line for sure. I was I, I was really focused on because of the, the Viking situation, um, the offensive line deal. Quiddy Pay was another guy I was kind of rumored to go to the Vikings at 14. I think that he is right now the best four four three defensive end uh, that was available, and uh, I'm excited to see where, where he goes. And I think everybody at this point has seen his story, so um, you know I, he you, you can't not be a fan of his uh, in the and for the way he plays. What about uh, Cosme? Sam Cosme, Washington got him in the second round. I don't know anything. About, I know he's protecting Ellinger, Erlinger. Nobody knows how to pronounce the guy's name. What do you think? Cos- I like I want to call him Cosmo. It's easier. What, what do you think, Cosmo? <laughs> Well, I had to look at him too. Um, I, I love his size. You know, you can't, obviously you can't teach height. He's six foot seven. I, I did think that he was still a little light. You know, he's a 310 pounder, but I thought that he was a, a little light um, still. But, um, you know, I think that he's one of those guys that's not going to be an immediate one of those impact. Holy cow. He's he's going to be a future uh, pro bowler, you know, in the first year or two, but I think he can develop in there because he has all the tools that you're looking for. Um, he's got long arms. He his good footwork. I wouldn't say it's great. A lot of his stuff is just kind of technique. I thought his hands were held, were always a little bit low and a little bit sloppy, um, but he's super productive. You know, when I looked at him, and try to compare him you know I'm always kind of looking at him through the the purple lenses because I work with the Vikings I, I thought he reminded me a lot of Riley Reed and I don't think that's a bad thing it's just like hey here's a guy that's just quietly productive you know just does 
maybe maybe his technique is not completely sound. Maybe he's not the quickest guy off the ball, um, but he's not giving up sacks. He's not giving up pressures. And at the end of the at the end of each game, you're like, hey, yeah, he graded out pretty well. You know, he's not he's not like uh, Panay Sewell where he's going to have these these pancakes where he's going to spear a guy when he's on the ground, but but uh, he's going to be a productive player. Yeah, yeah, because they got him. Have you seen any of uh, Jameen Davis's? A lot of people comped him to Darius Leonard, which is a lofty comparison. I have not, no. No, no. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then um, the offseason as a whole, were there any moves the Vikings made that you liked or did not like? Yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, getting him on the defensive front was was awesome. I mean, if you, if you watch this Vikings team where they – people want to pick apart their secondary and – and really, as you know, when you follow football, the tried and true win the trenches, it's not, it's not just hyperbole. You know, you don't just say it just to say it. it. It matters. And the Vikings got beat up defensively on the defensive line in the run game. And that opened up everything for the pass game. And that's why their passing stats look so bad, because they were just awful stopping the run. And, and we just have to be reminded of the Christmas day game against the saints where I think they ran for over 300 yards and it was just, you wanted to puke watching the game. Well, they, they knew that obviously Mike Zimmer wanted to address that. He, uh, he got Michael Pierce back from opting out last year because of COVID you, you get uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. So now you have, you know, over 600 pounds um, in the middle there to stop the run. I think that was a great pickup that, that alone and getting Pierce back Pierce feels like, uh, a free agent pickup because he didn't play last year. So you get those guys back. Um, and then Patrick Peterson, we need a veteran voice in the backfield. I get that Patrick Peterson may not be what he is physically or what he used to be, but very similar to what Terrence Newman was when he first got here long in the tooth, maybe didn't have the, the, the best quicks, but could make up for it because he was smart and put himself oftentimes running the routes of the receivers and just putting himself right in the landmark. And then he mentored a lot of those guys in the backfield. And I think Patrick Peterson's going to do wonders for this defense in the secondary. And then my last question, do you think Irv Smith's ready to be the number one tight end? Yeah, he, he showed it. He's, he has, you can see him getting more and more comfortable. Um, you know, when he gets the opportunity more so in the field this last year, not so much just in red zone and special packages, he, he was outstanding. You know, his blocking's getting better. I think Kyle Rudolph helped him realize that you still do have to block. Uh, and I got to commend Kyle on that too. You know, Kyle was never a blocker and they told him, Hey, the only way you're going to get more snaps in the, in the, in the games is to be a better blocker and learn how to block. And he did that. I think Irv sort of realizes, you know, being a tight end is not just about catching the football. You, you got to be a team player. And it's good to see guys like George Kittle that take on the blocking role and, and, and want it, you know, and show that they're not just passing, pass catching tight ends they actually are going to put their hand in the dirt and get dirty and I think Irv's starting to get that grit about him um and I think that's translating into an attitude when he runs after the catch you know his first year he'd catch the ball he'd turn and you could just almost see him scanning the field about you know where to run and like who's going to come hit me and now he catches the ball and it's an immediate plant gets up the field and there's a burst to his game where he just he instinctively knows where to go now he trusts himself he trusts his athleticism I, I expect big things from Irv this year Awesome. Awesome. And then people can follow you on Twitter at Nacho Lieber, Nacho Lieber. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nacho Lieber. Is, is Jack Black ever reach out to you? you know, like great, great handle right there. Or no, no, he, he not, never, I, I would not yet. He's, he's, not yet. He's what? Yeah. He's one of my favorite actors. One of my kids, favorite actors. I mean, I think we've watched school of rock about a hundred times. 
um, yeah, that was, that was a nickname given to me. I, I always give Jared Allen credit for it. You know, I'm not sure if it was exactly him, but maybe he was the loudest with it. Um, and the funny thing is I've only seen Nacho Libre once. And, and, and people, people now, like when I first got that nickname, people would, uh, people would quote movie lines and I'm like, I, I don't know. I, they're like, no, it's from like Nacho Libre. I'm like, ah, I've only seen it once. Like, wait, what? I thought you were like a big fan. That's why you're like, no, nah, it was just kind of given to me. Um, so yeah, Nacho Libre, Nacho Libre at, uh, at Twitter on Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if you saw that wild thing the other day, apparently his mother, this wild, wild spin zone. Jack Black's mother was like some hero to NASA. I'll send you the link. She like uh-huh. did something vital. I'm going to pull this up right here. I got to pull, pull an insane story about Jack Black's mother. Something with like the space shuttle. This is unbelievable. Real quick. Let me find this. Um, yeah. Jack Black, it's all the credit. His mother is, 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 is unreal. She create, she helped create a board system that rescued Apollo 13. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's how is this the first time I'm hearing this? I just heard about it the first time last week. It all over. Yeah, it, it literally blew up on Reddit. And I'm like, this can't be real. And I'm looking up and the, the name is Judith Love Cohen. I think she passed away a couple of years ago. But yeah, literally from Yahoo, Jack Black's mom was a NASA engineer who helped bring the Apollo 13 um, aboard guidance system, which helped rescue all these astronauts. Apparently, she kind of got it done the day he was born which is un- it's wild. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's one of those today I learned things about his mother. Yeah. So wild Jack Black, Jack Black's family lineage, unreal, but yeah, but it's a wild spin zone from Vikings to Jack Black, but I uh, do appreciate you taking time to chat for a few minutes. Can't wait for the season to start up. Now I got the draft look forward to now we got to wait till September. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, you know that the, the NFL dominates everything. So it's, oh, of course it'll be, it'll be this week of quiet and yep. then all the rookies come in and check in the next week. And then all the talk will start back up. And then, you know, if, if they can actually get the players back into OTAs um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll have some talkers there, but yeah, it will take, it, it'll be nice to have a little bit of a break and then we'll, yeah. we'll hit it back, but uh, always good yeah. to be on with you. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So especially since we have NBA now, like normally like NBA would kind of be getting towards the end and it was just baseball and it's just baseball you see what else is on TV, but now we get a little bit, a little bit of everything going around. <laughs> not, not really hating this late NBA schedule, so we'll see if that can carry over until training camp. But do appreciate you taking time. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to see you. <laughs>